and welcome to A Bookshelf Binge. I'm your host, Jessica, and today I'm joined by one of my favorite people in the world. She's a bookstagrammer, she's a podcaster. It's Tatiana, who you can find on Instagram at the Literature Llama 2.0 because she doesn't have access to her first account. And on the podcast, the Bookish Banter Podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> so excited. I'm super excited to be here. <laughs> Today we're talking about one of our favorite books, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. So like, honestly, if you're listening and you haven't read it yet, like this is your warning. There will be spoilers. This will have zero filter and it will be a little chaotic, <laughs> but it'll be great. <laughs> so true. I'm very excited to do spoiler free Addie because I feel like I talk to the people about this a lot and I'm always like, have you read it yet? And, or, or like, you know, just checking before I say anything. And they're like, no, I haven't read it. And I'm like, okay, never mind, Because there's like, you can't really say much about it, like without spoiling everything. So I'm very excited to talk spoilers. <laughs> I, yeah, like the entire, the entire episode is just straight. Like there's so many twists and turns that you can't like discuss it without like it being intense and weird and like sharing the entire story. <laughs> Definitely. And it's honestly, it's probably, I think, I feel like I've said it, but maybe not like an official capacity. This is probably one of my like top three favorite reads of all time, even though I've only just read it this year. Honestly, all books that I've talked about on this podcast, with the exception of Crescent City, because I read that when it came out, because I'm such mash trash, but all of them I've read this last year since joining Bookstagram. Yeah, I feel like the the amount of good books that I've been given, I will not lie. I am not a true mass fan because I started reading them when I joined Bookstagram or just before I joined, I read Akatar, but I did read Crescent City when I was like deep in the thick of it, but it still is like one of my favorite books of all time too. I'm just, I just never read them when they first came out. So I'm not a true fan. <laughs> Sarah J. Mass like really helped me get through grad school. That's like when I found her and like I dove in. And so when Crescent City came out, like I was already like, I pre-ordered that. I was like one of the only books I've ever pre-ordered. So, but Addie LaRue, I first saw it because of Bookstagram and it was everywhere for a while. Like, I want to say it was like around last Christmas, like 2020 Christmas. Yeah. That it was just everywhere. Yeah. And I remember seeing it and thinking like, what a weird cover for a fantasy book. Yeah. To, to grip people and be something that like everybody was super into, because I think when I first joined, and I don't know if this is, this was the same for you. I think like one of the first ones I read was like from blood and ash and ash princess by Laura Sebastian and things like that. And the red queen and all those were some of the like big ones that I read. And it was these like covers with crowns on them and flowers and, you know, like the curl print style. And so when this like blew up on bookstagram, I was like, what is this about? Is this like some weird like subset of bookstagram I haven't found out about yet? Like how is this a, a YA or like a fiction or fantasy book that has such a strange non-fantasy-esque cover? It's non-fantasy-esque. The most that anyone really says about this book is that it made them cry. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so you're like, it's fantasy. It made people cry. In like what way? <laughs> Can I get some details? But like you can't because it spoils the whole thing. Yeah. And I was like about like, I picked it up around the time that I picked up Blood and Honey and I knew Blood and Honey was going to destroy me and I knew Eileen Rue was going to destroy me. So it took me a while to like finally read it. And I read it 
I think in like around like May of 2021 and I cried the entire time and I was up until 4 a.m because I couldn't put it down because this book was just emotionally destroying me that's amazing so I think I got it I did it with book of the month and it was my first book of the month book when the lost apothecary came out and I was like I did the like five dollars for the first one deal so I was like okay I'm gonna get two books because that's like you know, like $12 for two hard covers. Ooh. And I was like, I'm going to get Addy because I have never found it like cheaper anywhere. And way back when I was very cheap and was like, I'm never spending money like full price on a book. Like I have time for that. So I got Addy and I was like, okay, I'm going to read this. And I got about halfway through it. And I had texted Kirsten, who's like the co-host on my podcast. And I was like, I'm reading Addy LaRue. Like, it's so good. I love it so much. I'm shocked that like, I'm so obsessed with this as like a standalone, a book I wasn't expecting. I didn't know the plot before I read it. And she texts me back like immediately and is like, yeah, I heard a lot of people like cry through it. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's sad. There's like a couple parts that are pretty sad, but like, I definitely, I'm not a crier in books. So I was like, I haven't cried yet. Like, I don't think I'm going to cry. And I swear to God, 20 minutes later, I get to like Henry's last POV and I'm, I'm sitting in bed and my boyfriend's like asleep and I'm my book light. And I'm just like silently weeping, like <laughs> just te- like tears rolling down my face. And it's like, it was so embarrassing. I literally like stopped, got up and like walked to the other room and finish the book because I was like, this is so embarrassing. What if my wife wakes up and I'm just like sobbing to a book light, but <laughs> it like wrecked me. I was like, okay, I lied, Kirsten. Um, it did. It killed my soul. <laughs> Not good. And I never cried. There's like three books in my life that have ever made me cry. And I was like, this is so embarrassing, but it's so good. <laughs> oh, I'm such a crier. Any sad scene in a movie, anytime a dude cries for some reason, just like instant tears, like, Anytime there's any type of sad scene, just tears. That's hilarious. <laughs> I think I cry like definitely more in TV shows because it's easier to like feel the emotion, I think. But I um, I don't feel like I cry a lot in books. And I say that as I like cried in Crescent City and then like three months later was like sobbing in Addie LaRue. So I don't really know. And there's been a couple like in between that I've cried in. And I'm like, I'm not a big crier. But I don't know if it was like an emotional day, but yeah, that one definitely wrecked me. I was like, absolutely not. I'm never going to cry. And then all of a sudden I'm like, <laughs> just, you know, embarrassing. It was embarrassing is what it was. Well, like, yeah. thank God I don't have a significant other Yeah, because just like, <laughs> it was so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. And I like try now, now, because I've, I, I've been in this world for a long time. I try to read when he's not around or I have to like know the book because I'm like concerned both for like the smut scenes and also the crying scenes, like the emotional things, because I just can't have him be like lurking if something like that were to come up, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I gave Addie to my mom and I was like thinking about it. I was like, I got to remember what goes on in this one because, because it's my mom. (laughs) but I I think this one was pretty safe as far as that goes yeah it wasn't graphic yeah which I think technically like is the YA portion of it which is why I was a little surprised that like it I guess maybe not at the time because I feel like smut talk wasn't a big thing but I was surprised it was so popular when there wasn't a lot about like the actual romance portion of it I think this one was more like a character relationship one so I was really surprised at how popular it was because I feel like at the time everybody was very into like the world building and the like epic plots than something like this, where it was just like so much emotion about, I don't know, people, I guess, <laughs> and yeah, like time it was, travel. 
<laughs> it was really popular around the time of like a flip from blood and ash yeah so and yeah, like- serpent and dove and all that stuff came out and i was like this is a very from blood and ash is like pretty graphic but i feel like serpent and dove and like blood and honey like that one's not but it was a huge like world building plot twisty like everyone was very into it then so i was like why is this book so popular i have to read it i must so yeah and here we are here we are what <laughs> were we your are. first thoughts when you read it so i think for me i so i read it initially in march and then i did the audio in august we looked this up and i think the first time i read it i was just like so captivated by the story and the idea of someone like traveling through time and giving up their whole life. And I felt so related to Addie when I first read it being like, I'm never going to give up. There's so much of the world to see. And I feel like I've always felt like that as a person, like there's so much of the world to see that I'm never going to be able to see all of it. So like 300 years sounds amazing to be able to travel and do all that. And the beginning, I genuinely remember reading it and thinking like, how would I have handled that? And how hard the beginning was for her when we're not in like modern times and technology doesn't exist. And you can't just like walk into a store and like steal a jacket. Like it's just so much, it was so much harder to exist back then. And then to also like leave a room and no one know who you were was just wild to me. So I think for me, it was like, it really made me think about what, how I would have handled that situation. And then how crazy her life was. And just, I feel like how strong she came out of it at the very end. What about you? I also very much like, I connected very similarly to you and how I also want to see everything. Like my bucket list is to visit every country once. And like, I want to see everything. I want to experience everything that's positive. (laughs) Like the privileged person that I am. (laughs) And yeah, like it was reading about the hardship of it, especially when she first figured out like the rules was like really difficult to read you just felt really badly for her and like we'll get into the synopsis in like a really hot sec but like she has to like turn to like prostitution to like make a life for herself and it was like the only way for like a young woman back in the 1700s to really live and like that's just like so heart-wrenching and so upsetting and like it was also really heartbreaking that she like started to make connections like that one girl she kept going back to and hooking up with that entire storyline was just so heart-wrenching but overall I really really enjoyed it and it's like the it was the first time in a really long time that I really like dove into more magical realism rather than just straight fantasy yeah I agree and for me I feel like I do like to read a lot of like romances that are set in non-fantasy worlds like I read a lot of like western romances and stuff like that but it'd been a long time since I'd read just a f- pure like fiction book and it felt very outlander to me in the time traveling and just sort of like having that connection and I love outlander and so I was really excited like as we got further into it being like okay so this is going to be very similar where you know she's that kind of person that knows what's going on and then everybody else is sort of unaware of like what's happening either in the present or like what happened in the past. So I liked that. What were your thoughts on, I guess we can do the synopsis if you want, but my big thing that I feel like that was the hardest was like losing her family and then realizing like you have to kind of move on without them in a witchy sort of like, or I guess like a fae sort of way where it's like you live forever, but like your family doesn't. And that's kind of how I felt like it. And then maybe that was me reading a lot of fantasy, but it was like, that part was so heart wrenching, but then realizing like 
there are so many books that we read where it's like, are there a vampire, whatever it is, you know, we're like, they're going to live on. And so I, I kind of like that theme where it was like, she had to just full on give up her family and start over. And she wasn't like a vampire or fairy or something like that. If that makes sense. No, it does. And it's like, to like that point, I think it's really interesting because we are used to people giving up their lives to embrace other cultures and embrace other aspects. Like you said, like the vampires, like normally, like when you get turned into a vampire, you're like in the vampire culture still versus Addie was just like by herself and like had nothing to turn to and nothing to embrace besides Luke. And like, can you really embrace Luke? Like, (laughs) yeah, like, I mean, I would embrace Luke, but yeah. And it was just, it said, it was such a wild concept to me because you're like watching it happen. You're like, wow, I thought I'm not watching, I guess, but like reading and this this is all happening. And you're like, what a crazy concept. She's just a person. But then throughout the whole thing, Luke is like, you're not, there's no way you're just a person. You're 300 years old. So like, what are you? And it's like, I don't know. And Addie doesn't know. And Henry, nobody knows, you know? So I, I, yeah, it, it was very moving. I think, especially for a, a fantasy novel or a fiction novel. Would you stay 23 for the rest of your life? If you could. Gosh, honestly, hair flip. I definitely would. <laughs> I peaked at 23. Like, I'm going to be really honest for a minute here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I'm not though. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm 28 right now. Um, I'm feeling old. My back hurts, you know, like, and I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I feel like I would, like, that's a perfect time to kind of be old enough to get what you want and like start the things you want to do in your life, but not too old that you have so many responsibilities that you feel like you're going to be like bogged down. So I feel like anywhere in the 22, cause I'd like to drink alcohol 22 to like 30 range would be a great age to just be like frozen in time. I don't want to be like Stefan and 17 forever. So no. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> the thing I hate about Twilight most is like how much she hated to like, she didn't want to be 18. And I'm like, girl, like, why would you want to be a teenager for the rest of your life? You have hormones and like, you can't even vote. <laughs> like, what, what about your civic duty? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yeah, no, I totally agree. Like I, that always irritated me. And especially like in Vampire Diaries too, it was just like, Alina was like, I, I'm just going to get old without you. And I'm like, honey, you're too young now. I'm going to tell you right this second, Stefan living as a 17 year old forever is my actual nightmare. That's my worst nightmare. I'd rather be stuck in college forever. No, yes. It's a no for me. Yes. Yeah. Like, like I would rather be stuck as 20 rather than fucking 17. God, that would be (laughs) awful. Can you imagine? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a no for me. So I agree. Like 23 was like, is like a really good age. Thinking back to where I was at at 23, like I wouldn't want to stay there, but between like 23 and 27, I think I definitely like peaked. (laughs) Absolutely. Same, same. (laughs) It was many moons ago. I'll tell you all that right now. I'm past. It's up and over. We're done. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, and it's wild too, because it's like, I, I feel like when I'm reading it, you know, they talk so much about how she was like forced into this marriage and all these sorts of things. And that's why she makes the deal originally, right? Because she's being forced into this marriage with some creepy old dude, let's assume. And it's like, isn't that crazy to think about a world 200 years ago that you at your age would have been like an old crone not married and like with children and like, and your family would have forced you to be with someone else. Like that's just, it was so wild to read about 
the rights of women back then. And, and like, it is, it was realistic. It's totally realistic. And it's like, wow, that one's like a real punch to the gut because you're like, this is wild that she's having to be forced into this. And she's so upset about it because she has this wild spirit that like, she's willing to sell her soul to not be married, which is like, what a vibe, but like great for you girl like I would probably also want to sell my soul to like not deal with that bullshit absolutely but I would be praying after dark absolutely absolutely would be talking to the gods speaking of which let's do the synopsis real fast because we are diving into plot points very rapidly and for the people who have hung out this long and still are like ready to listen despite not having read it here you go so it's like we said, it starts in the seven in 1714 when Addie is about to be married uh, to a dude with three kids. Like she's like supposed to be like married to this dude and like take care of these kids and refusing to like be this person. She flees to the forest and prays to what she calls the old gods who she was taught as a kid to like never pray after dark. And this dark haired green eyed stranger who is very beautiful grants her wish eternal life for as long as she wants it um on the day that Addie becomes too tired or bored of existence to go on she'll surrender her soul to this hottie (laughs) after the stranger grants her request Addie realizes that there's like major caveats to this deal nobody can remember her and so she can't forge any new relationships her old ones have forgotten her and so she's separated from an individual for like even a second and that person forgets who she is Anytime Addie tries to write, draw, or otherwise leave her mark on the world, the words and pictures disappear. So while Addie can't die, she still feels hunger and cold and injury and loneliness. Addie, however, is a stubborn ass woman because we stand this, won't yield and learns how to really navigate this curse without like breaking the rules and succumbing. So The hardest part about all of this is she can't connect with people all that well. She remembers everyone she meets, but they can't remember her. So she really learns to cope by serving as like a muse for the artistic community and leaves her mark on works of numerous famous artists and musicians. Every year though, on the anniversary, Luke appears to her and like asks her to like, is she done yet? (laughs) But each time he asks her to yield, she refuses. And as the decades and centuries pass, Addie really comes to view Luke with something like affection. He's the only person that really remembers her. So they've like kind of started to form this bond. The rest of the story takes place in 2014, New York City. Um, This dude, Henry, who's a young bookseller, remembers Addie after she steals a book from a shop. And it's the first and only person who's ever remembered Addie in this like 300 years she's been doing this. So they become in a relationship for a few weeks and she finally discovers that Henry remembers her because he too made a deal with Luke and his curse is to be loved by everyone who meets him for a year. But after the year, he's supposed to give his soul to Luke. By the time Addie learns all of this, he only has a few days. Uh, Addie makes a new deal with Luke on the last night of Henry's life, she like tells him what she did. She's going to be Luke's for as long as he'll have her. And in, in exchange, Henry will be permitted to live out his life. Devastated, Henry copes by publishing Addie's story in, in a book called The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. That was like very comprehensive. 
Yeah. And, and like, it's so wild to listen to the whole thing. I think in the synopsis, because it's like, I feel like there's so many parts of that, that I I'm like, I, I didn't forget that that happened, but like, for me, I feel like a huge portion of the book that I focused on was like her and Henry's relationship and the development there. So there's like so many bits and pieces of it when she goes and flashes back that like, I genuinely just blacked out. But thinking back to it, there's a couple of things now that you've like read that whole thing that I wish they had, they, I wish like VEE had wrote more about was her time in the past and her relationship with Luke, because I feel like it's mentioned and they talk about their house in New Orleans, but it's like, I really would have liked a whole chapter on like how that came to be and like what that was like versus like a couple of pages or like a couple of chapters even, and sort of talked about like why they broke up because it doesn't really explain like what happens. She's just like, I'm mad at you. Bye. And like gives it all up, you know? Yeah. So let's just jump to Luke because he's such an interesting character. I think like, it's like the morally gray, like, is he like a villain? Is he just kind of doing what he's supposed to be doing? Like he's an like the God of darkness or something. Like he's supposed to take souls, but like Tanya mentioned in 1952, like the two began a relationship and it lasted decades and Addie broke it off, convinced that the sex was merely just like a strategy to con- like, have him give her his her soul have her give him his soul that's the correct one um but like I feel like he really seems to like like her yeah and I feel like when she I can't remember does he take her or does she like sneak after him when he like takes the soul and he's just like very gentle about the whole thing she sneaks after him right I think after him I think and like that for me is like there's, there's always this in like a lot of fantasy, I think, or I don't, I don't really know. I've seen it in like an episode of supernatural where <laughs> this is so silly, but like Dean follows death for the day and he decides to not kill someone. And then like somebody, like two other people die as a result. And then he has to kill the person that was originally like signed up to die. And it's like that concept. I agree with you. Like, I think Luke's such an interesting character. Cause it's like, is he taking the souls because he made those deals and that way, or is he sort of like the reaper and where he's like trying to do what he can to improve these people's lives and then you know obviously he's taking the souls because he is this sort of reaper-esque person but is he more or less like a demon or a god do you know what I mean and I feel like we never really get the answer to that but I do like his character and I like that he is sort of manipulative at some points but also you know he gives her a house and he gives her a key and he tells her like you know I'm gonna do all these things for her and he saves her when she's like in the French prison in World War II and all that kind of stuff so I loved his character I wish we had a second one that talked about like their life together afterwards even like a novella would have been perfect I think yeah I mean like he like took her to like the opera and like had like a night out with it and got her out of some really sketchy situations I mean like yeah he fucked with her because he's like legitimately I need your soul but like the ring that he gave her was like her father's ring like he made that so like she had something of her father's with her during all of these centuries and he like you said he like gave her the house and they like had this chemistry and like that story where or like that flashback where she's like in the cabin in the snow and he comes and just like hangs out and they like drink and just like sit there there are actual moments where like you think he really has true feelings for this girl then you're kind of like is he doing this again to taunt her or not? And it's like, you know, you kind of never get the answer to that question, which I think is fine. 
but I just, I found his character so interesting and like so dynamic. And he's not even a huge part of the, I mean, he's a huge part of the book, but he's not on a lot of pages, which yeah. I thought was like so good. And he's so well done. And I love the fan art of it, that he looks so much like Henry and that like, you know, she says that in the detailing that like Henry and him are so similar. And I just loved that concept of him kind of being a mirror and, and Henry's curse being like to please everybody and make everybody happy. And that's what Henry really looks like, but that's also what would have made her happy because she loved Luke, you know, it's been so long and he's the only one that knows her. So yeah, I thought that was wild. And like, while I liked Henry and like, he's kind of like the male version of like a manic pixie dream girl, like (laughs) the entire series, but, or the entire book, like even she was like, we didn't fit as well as me and Luke did but Luke was made for me. So like, right. Of course he didn't. And she and like just created like, that. <laughs> yeah. So it's like shit like that where I'm like, Oh, this was like this Luke is her real love. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like I would love a novella talking about the two of them and their like life together and what happened afterwards, because I feel like the chemistry between them was phenomenal. And I think for me, so you were saying earlier that you've, you've just read it the one time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I read it the first time and then I did the audio the second time. And when I was listening to the audio the second time, I was like, am I Henry? Do I relate to Henry? Is this like what's happening right now? You know, like, am I that guy? Am I this person? (laughs) So I think the second time around, I really did feel like I knew Henry better and I related to him so much more. And I don't know if it's because I already knew what was going to happen that I was less concerned about like where Addie's journey was, that I felt that way. But I was like, Oh, I just felt so bad for the way that things turned out with Henry and like how Luke was like, you're just so second rate. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> poor Henry. Like all he wanted was to be loved and you're telling him he's the second rate version of you. <laughs> I just felt so bad for him. Yeah, I, I want the, that novella. I want to hear what yeah. happened. I need it. I want her to do novellas of like that their life after and then more expansion on all the thing, the stories from like, the, the things that she told Henry, you know what I mean? Like, I want a full book on your spying in world war two. And I want a full book on new Orleans. And like, you know what I mean? I want a full book on like, when you went back to Paris and, or when you like went to Paris the first time, but when you went back to like your hometown and all that, like I want novellas on all of those things. Can somebody write fanfic? Is that out there? <laughs> if there is somebody tell me, I'll, I'll read it. Drop it in my comments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me know right now if there's fanfic, because I feel like that would be really good. And I know she's never going to continue it because it is like a standalone, but it's had like so much success. It's unreal that, that more hasn't come out of it, but instead she just did special editions. <laughs> right. Like Which I just love like the special editions. They're so pretty, but like, I need more. <laughs> yeah. Like I need different things, but yeah, I know. I agree. I think that it would be really fun to like have a bunch of novellas of different portions of it. And just maybe like, can we get Luke's origin story? Like I- I'd be into that. What do you think about Addie though? Like I love Luke and I think he wouldn't make the deal with her at the end that he would have made if he didn't truly love her. Like the entire deal of saving Henry's life was to like force her to be with him, to realize that they were meant to be together in my head because I see a villain. But (laughs) Addie, like we're following Addie this entire time and all of her life choices are kind of fascinating. Like her interest in the salon I can't really remember why she wanted to be a part of the salon so badly but she like engineered so many meetups with this older woman when I think it was in Paris or London yeah and like just like to be around people and it's like 
like interesting choices like that. Yeah. And like to consistently go back to that one girl who she really loved, the painter, who like did a bunch of like, it was like skyscapes that mm-hmm. had a bunch of like stars, like to mirror her freckles. Like, why would you keep going back? Like, that's just, you're just a glutton for punishment. Yeah. That one broke me. Like when, <laughs> when I read that, cause it's pretty early in the book that she's doing that chat with the author or with the artist, sorry. And you're like, wow, she knows so many things about these people. And like, what a weird concept. And I think that was for me when it kind of switched thinking like all the stuff she has to do that are just like basic things that we do in a day, like finding somewhere to sleep, finding places to eat, changing your clothes, you know, like stuff that like we, we don't even think twice about, but she had to like engineer a way to do this. And then also like build relationships enough to sustain herself. And like, I, I was listening to your episode a couple weeks ago and you were talking about how you're like such an extrovert. And I was like, totally relate. And I just feel that way. Like Addie has to be such an extrovert because of the way that she like does all of these things. And I'm like, I can't imagine being like me as a person and then realizing like, nobody's going to remember how like funny I am and how fun I am. And like, how cool, you know what I mean? Or whatever, like whatever Addie wanted to be. So it's like, I, I could never imagine like going through all of that and trying to engineer it. I feel like I would just give up, you know, and just live in a hovel. I don't know. <laughs> like she, she's so clever to me. And I think she's a really good main character in the way that she's just trying to survive, but she doesn't do anything bad to people. And she's genuinely not like a morally gray person at all, which I find really interesting being put in this situation where she has to lie and cheat and steal that like her, she has a very high moral ground. And I found like that part of it. So dynamic and like your character is so interesting because you're like, you were saying in the beginning, she has to go and like seek prostitution to make money. And right. She's manipulating these people to get into the salon, but it's like, she just wants friendship and she wants to like meet these important people and like see these, this amazing art come to life and you know, all these things. And it's like, that's so crazy that in all of that, she still wants to help Henry and she still wants to like help, you know, this artist and all these other people and inspire them and like do all these things for them. It's you're right. Like she is not morally gray in any way, shape or form. So we're recording this around the holidays, so it will be out like weeks later, but we had this entire debate like as a family over like stealing being like a social issue and like a failure of community to take care of people because people aren't stealing because they, most of the time people aren't stealing just because they like to steal. They're doing it because they need food and they need to sell it to get sustenance and a place to stay. And I think Addie really brought a lot of that home. It's like a really interesting, like social commentary as well. Like we're not taking care of everyone who's around us all the time. And like, it's just like such like an interesting, like her entire existence and like what she's doing to survive is just such an interesting commentary on what we all need to do to survive and like what's important. Yeah. And like when she's in New York and she goes and like pays for the pastry or And then the next day she like steals it or what have you. And she always like tries to put money back in and, you know, she gets a pastry for that guy and like helps him with his books and his wife and like all those things. And it's like, she's doing things that you're like, whoa, red flag. Like thievery is wrong. You know, like she just walks out of the the dressing room and isn't like a new outfit because she has to be. And I, I read that thinking like, that's so when she says like the, the, um, customer service check isn't going to know like who this girl is and she's going to find a pile of clothes. I was like, that's so weird. What does she mean? And then she's like, oh, I walked out and had a whole outfit. And I was like, wait, stealing is wrong. But then you think about it and you're like, she doesn't have any other clothes. There's nothing she can do. And like, there's no way to change that. And, and she's written so well that like, you know, that she doesn't do it in like a vindictive sort of way, 
where if she was say Luke, she would, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or if she was like a different person. And so I think that she's written as a really good character and you root for her kind of throughout the whole thing, which keeps it interesting and makes you want to like be a part of the narrative and like find out what happens next. And even like in the writing, it's like anything that she like really puts down tends to get lost to time. And so the, yeah, that made me so sad. The bird, like the bird that she had in her pocket that was like her dad carved and she like lost it. Cause like it, she like set it down for a hot second and then it was gone. And like, so like you, yeah, she like has to get by somehow. Like, it's such a, V.E. Schwab really created like a mind fuck. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She was like, listen, this is a cluster and everybody buckle up. (laughs) And like, so what did you think about the time jump? Did you think it was written well that it does sort of a two, like it, it splits the timelines and you're kind of jumping all over the place and all that tells you it is the, the title of the chapter? I did. I really enjoyed the time jumps and how it wove into like what was currently happening. Like you find out that she can't really set anything down and then it jumps into the story of her having the bird. And it talks about the, the girl artist in New York who she's been sleeping with for a while and like she inspired art and then it jumps back to like that first dude who like took care of her when she was like dressing as a boy to get by in like 1700 France and every day he and like he woke up one day and like he didn't remember who was sleeping next to him and he like thought she was a whore and like had like really like a whole lot of emotion and so I think that one that one's really that one really hurt me because it's like so cute and flirty and fun. And then it had that sort of like gay best friend vibe where you were like, oh, we're going to be like a cute best friends. And then it's come to find out like, no, he, he really likes you. He thinks you're beautiful. And like, you guys end up sleeping together and that's like great for you guys. And then at the end, it's like this guy that was so nice to you and taught you how to like order coffee and, and be that person is like, here's your three pennies. And you're like, nice like okay it's fine Maddie it's fine you know like you're just it was it like broke me and I think the progression of that is really good because you know she goes to Italy and the guy wakes up and he doesn't act weird about it and then you know she meets the the artist in New York and that girl like tries to you know reel her in that next morning when she sleeps on the roof and I think that the progression and seeing like how she's coped with all of that was really beautifully written but I think for me, like the very beginning where she's with the guy and she just talks about how, like, she just wants the morning after and like for someone to recognize her, I was like, okay, we're, we're really in it for a mind fuck here, guys. Like we're really screwed. Like I was just, I wasn't into it. I was like, okay, this is going to get emotional really quickly. And like, I'm, I'm ready for it, but it, it, it was hard. It's hard to read. I think this, it's a, it's hard to read if you're thinking hard about it, if that makes yeah. sense. Yes, very much so. What did you think of the time jumps? Oh yeah. So I, I just think, like, I think it tied yeah. everything well to you. everything yeah, right. together. Sorry, well. Really went on it there. I agree. <laughs> I think they did a really good job. Um, when I was listening to the audiobook, it was harder because they just like say that the chapter titles. So I think I got a little lost until it started sort of really talking about what was happening in the, in that chapter. So I had a little bit of a harder time, but because I'd read it before, I think I had a better concept of like what was coming next. So I, I appreciated it. I really liked it. But like I said earlier, I would have liked more of the time, like the, the previous 300 years, there was so much of New York. And I think that like Henry's POV came a little bit later than I would have liked. I wanted it sooner, but that kind of draws out the mystery of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. This book is like, I want to say like slightly over like 200 pages. 
And it could have been like a Sarah J. Mass, like 800 page monster. And I would have happily read it. <laughs> I would still be reading it. Like I'd read it again right now. Like I'm into it. Like, like I would have loved 800 pages of this. Yes. Like, yeah. V.E. Schwab, I needed more. <laughs> I needed more. <laughs> What, what's your, or I guess who, who's your favorite character? I think definitely, oh, it's so hard. It's like, I identified with somebody as like it, the time went on. Like, I think I really identified with Addie and like her wanderlust and her need to be with people and like all of that. But I think ultimately my favorite character is probably Luke despite that he's like six pages of like dialogue I think just everything about him and like the questions we have about him and is he morally gray is he just like shitty is he evil is he a god just doing his job like all of those questions make him like a really amazing character that I just like fantasize over what about you just like headcanon <laughs> living in my head rent free um I think for me my favorite character reading it twice is Henry because I feel like, like I said, when I read it the second time, I really felt like I related so heavily to Henry in that, like, I'm never going to be good enough. It's never going to be perfect. Everything that I want, I'm never going to have type of feeling that he really like inhabits. I think, I think that's the right word. I don't know. But I think for me, it's like, I loved the idea of him being such a people pleaser, but realizing like he was limiting himself in a way that we're all kind of scared to go and take that next step you know, he's managing the bookshop, even though he could do something more because it's comfortable and it's easy, but also like he's doing this girl a favor and it's something he's passionate about. So like, what's the problem with that? And so I think I really related to him. And then his love for Addie and his want to do things for her was just like so beautiful and just like his breakup. And he just had so much like energy. And I think such a crazy backstory that I was like, I really felt for him and I really like wanted more Henry. I very much agree. Do you think he'd be able to last centuries? Absolutely not. <laughs> he would have been good with like a, like a nice, a 10 year deal type of situation, like diet, like a humble 35 or what have you. I think he would have been fine with that because he wasn't, Henry's not a strong character. Like he's not, and he doesn't have strong character either. He doesn't have a lot going on for him that like, he would have I, th I don't think he would have survived what Addie had gone through and I don't think he'd make it on his own being someone that like wasn't remembered or just making people happy for that long really like wears on you yeah I'm talking would to all the Enneagram twos out there but <laughs> would you be able to I think so I really do because I, like you were saying I feel like I relate really heavily to Addie and like the idea of getting to meet new people all the time is super fun and I think that that's where I sort of thrive so it wouldn't be ideal, but I think I would do really well getting to meet a ton of new people all the time and like getting to travel and experience those things. But then also like all the embarrassing moments are gone. So anything you're like embarrassed to do or like too afraid to do, it's like, doesn't matter. As soon as I walk out the door, no one's going to remember me. So I feel like that would be really liberating. What about you? I think I would survive. I mean, like the number of days that I, so in like 2019 through 2020, I lived in like a studio apartment by myself so like especially like during COVID the number of days that I went through like not talking to people besides like my mom on the phone like 
I think like it gave me like a really good sense of I think I could do it. <laughs> this is a really dark book to read during quarantine because <laughs> it feels a little too real. Yes. <laughs> in the like, I've forgotten everybody in my life. And also they may or may not have forgotten me. So like zero out of 10 recommend if you're struggling with quarantine. But yeah, it was really eye-opening, I think for sure. <laughs> I think yeah. my, and like like you said, like the embarrassment thing, like you can try everything you want. Yeah. And you won't have that embarrassing aspect because or like, like not being yeah. good at it or like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to do it, but it doesn't matter. Like you can look a fool if you want, because no one's going to remember. Exactly. And having endless time to figure stuff out and do things like imagine all the books you could read Tatiana. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would get it through my TBR. I would get all the way through my TBR, but I, I loved the idea of her being like, yeah, I learned how to read because you know, he taught her. And then her being like, I learned how to read German and ancient Greek and Latin. And, and I'm like, that is such like in my head, I'm like, Oh my God, if I were her, that is such a good idea. Cause I, I don't know why I didn't think I would have thought of that, but I just loved, I, I love when authors write characters that love to read. It's just so like ironic and iconic, both like in the same, in the same headspace. And I love it. But I really liked that idea of being like, yeah, I stole this, you know, whatever the Iliad in ancient Greek and He's like, you can just have it. And she's like, okay, cool. I read ancient Greece. Like what? <laughs> That's unbelievable. But I mean, if you had 300 years, I guess I probably would also read ancient Greek. <laughs> You're traveling through all of that. Like imagine just hanging out in a place for a couple of months. Like you'd obviously learn how, how to communicate. Absolutely. What like era would you want to be in or start in as far as like Addie went or would you go earlier than that, that you would want to be a part of if you, if you were Addie, the time traveler? the time honestly I would probably want to start around like the 1600s I think a little bit before Addie because to be fair like up until like the 1800s it's all pretty much the same yeah but like I think like the 1600s just like has such an interesting like it's not that close to a bunch of wars that pesky plague right like there's like, <laughs> like there's just like less drama within the world yeah starting in the 1600s and it could like ease me into because like the french revolution was very shortly after mm-hmm. Addie got cursed yeah and i think like the birth of the renaissance would be amazing to see and like all of those sorts of things and to be around for all that kind of stuff i feel like for me i don't know if i'd go that far back i'm like a huge fan of running water and like, oh my God. Me. So, oh my God. I didn't even see the running, running water thing. <laughs> think about this all the time. Like every time I read like a historic, anything, historic romance, or like, I think about fantasy, I'm like, so tell me what's the indoor plumbing look like? Cause I'm a huge fan of showers, you know, <laughs> like I appreciate from blood and ashes. They talk about that. So like, I don't know. <laughs> I just, I think about these things sometimes. So in the aspect of being a part of that, I think it would be really cool to be in the 1600s and Honestly, this is like a fun fact about me. I don't know if I go as far to stay fun, but like, I don't like France. Um, I've been the people, I know the people that they're not my favorite. Uh, it's, it's not a place I would want to live. So like, it's my nightmare to be Addie and like <laughs> be in France and then go to Paris and be in the French revolution and like watch that happen. I'd be out of there so quick, but <laughs> I think I agree. I would probably want to be around the same time, like the birth of the Renaissance or like the 1700s and kind of see time and everything change. But maybe I'd also like to be, I don't know, I'd like to time travel so I could like see all that happen and then pull a like hot tub time machine and invent Google or something, you know? Actually though, actually. 
Yeah, I you're you're right. Running water is really, really fantastic. Also, like women's rights. Yeah, like, and that's the other thing that this book really makes you think about when you're reading it. You're like, okay, but if I was in the 1600s, I wouldn't be time. I wouldn't be traveling because I'd be a mother of seven. Yes, like, you know what I mean. Or dead. Right. Like I <laughs> like make jokes all the time that I'm basically 30, and like then I'm like a spinster. I'm basically a 30 year old spinster. I'm yeah. We're cougars <laughs> at this point. I'm like, this is the end. I'm just kidding. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So I don't know, maybe for me, I, I feel like I'd really love to be a part of like the twenties, like the 1920s, I think would be a really fun place to start because I think just the, the development of like the modern, the modern world kind of, and all the culture behind music and dancing and like the creation of, you know, America as, you know, kind of an iconic rebellious generation, I guess. And, you know, going on through the thirties, forties and like the sixties and all that kind of stuff. I think that'd be so fun to be a part of that. And I was running like, water and electricity. Yes. I would also accept like 1900s, like England. That That's also doable. <laughs> would also accept 1900s England. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would love <laughs> to have been in, I don't know, like Italy in the seventies. That sounds fun. All those things. But yeah, no, I think, I think she goes through some really interesting times and like the idea of being around during world war II and all that kind of stuff. And I know it wasn't, that wasn't the point, but I would have loved a little bit more about how she went from the French revolution up through time, the invention of right, like photography and electricity and all those things and like what that did for her and how it changed and like made it easier. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to New York. It is a dirty place. I would not end up there. <laughs> that would not be my final destination. <laughs> I would end up in like Toledo or something. <laughs> a real nice suburban town. <laughs> but I guess it doesn't matter because crime is high in New York. So it wouldn't, <laughs> she could probably get away with a lot, I guess. Toledo. <laughs> That's how you can tell I'm getting old. Cause I'm like, you know, I'd really just like to settle down somewhere in like a Michigan suburb. <laughs> where the weather's okay, but like, we still get snow. You know what I mean? Like those, the simple things <laughs> at 23. <laughs> uh, these are just like things that I think about <laughs> in case anyone wanted a deep dive into where I'm at in life. <laughs> We're never going to get over Toledo. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying like, if I was like, okay, here's where I'm at. It's not going to be like 2014 New York. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like I don't Orlando. Know. I think I absolutely would do New York, to be honest. Like it's like it's always changing. There's always a ton of people. Like, I don't know. Also probably DC. I really enjoy being in DC just like as a city. Yeah, it's smarter to be in a city because like you can blend in more, I think. And it's so busy and it makes yeah. sense for her. But I just was reading the parts where she kind of meets his friends and they go to that, I think it's a New Year's party. Yeah. And it was like giving me like heart palpitations, just thinking about myself as like a 23 year old being like, this is so fun. But right now that like stresses me out, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's so many people like, why are you awake so late? <laughs> you know, quarantine's really done a number on my, on my personality. So, but I, I loved Henry and I just, he is their like concept of, of just like having fun and living their lives and all those sorts of things. And Addie, you know, wanting to be a part of their sort of found family and, and then, you know, at the same time, kind of like saving Henry and all that was just like so heartwarming. But I, as I was reading their story and them going to the parties and things, I was like, this is too much. I'm stressed. <laughs> I'm really stressed out. <laughs> so yeah, I'm doing well. 
<laughs> quarantine's really doing it for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quarantine's like too much. I'm like a nice dinner party with like six, you know, but like a roof party was just like it. It, it was too much for me. Like, was I that person at 23? But I probably was. I think 23 in New York would be really fun, but not now. I'm too That's old. fair. That's fair. That's really fair. Like, yeah, 30 year old us, like very much like less so. <laughs> yeah. But 23 year old Jessica would have been like all about it. Yeah, that's fair. I probably also would have been all about it. What did you think about his Henry's friends and kind of the life that Henry created and how he was so kind of willing to give that up for Luke? (laughs) Kind of. Henry's whole arc is like was like very hard for me. Mm -hmm. You don't find out I find out about his curse until like very close to the end. And I understand like wanting people to like you. I understand that pressure and I understand like regretting a lot of decisions and being upset with your life. Totally on board. But A, giving up your life so young when you have so much going for you and B, giving up these friends that really seem to love you. Like even before, like you kind of get glimpses of his life before the curse and these people, like, maybe he wasn't the center of their universe, but are we the center of the universe for anybody? And, like, I understand being upset by that. I also get very upset when my friends forget about me. But, like, he had a life. Yeah, I found it kind of funny how his life was the polar opposite of Addie's, or it's like, kind of felt to me like everything Addie wanted. A family that cared about you kind of regardless, but also you were feeling the pressures of like not doing exactly what they wanted from you and feeling that. And then, you know, kind of finding your own family out on your own and like being an adult and living your life, but having this like really, really close group of friends who care about you and then sort of exploring who you are and still staying friends with, you know, his name Robbie, I think his name is yeah, like, you know, dating him and breaking up with him, but then still staying friends with him and then having B and her being, you know, always there for you and that kind of thing. And then having like a casual group of friends and always being invited to things, like being a part of that. And I understand like heartbreak and stuff, but it felt to me like he, his life was everything that like Addie had hoped for as she grew older and like what she was looking for. And the fact that he gave that up for me, like if I was dating him and that was happening to me and he did that, I don't know if I would have done necessarily what Addie did, but like, I think I would have been more heartbroken over the fact that he did it, you know, knowing that like you just gave up after you gave a year, like that's it. And you have everything that you could want, even though at the time it like doesn't seem perfect, but like if I were her and I couldn't make a mark. And so I appreciated that she writes it in more of a romantic arc and in their story together and how like he helps her. But when I was reading it, I was kind of like, wait, he has everything that she wants and he just gives that all up. And that was, that was hard to read. It's so hard to read. And he really struggled with that curse. Yeah. Like from the very moment someone like did something for him. And he realized it was because of the curse. I am honestly surprised he lasted the year with how much it made him uncomfortable. Yeah. Which curse would you rather have had, Addie's or Henry's? Definitely Addie's. Yeah. If like, if it wasn't a time, like it wasn't a time thing, like you could either live forever and no one remember you, or you could live forever and everyone love you. Yeah, definitely Addie's. Yeah. Anything else I would like feel like kind of like I roofied someone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. <laughs> like, imagine sleeping with somebody like that. Yeah, like, yeah. And you're like, you're perfect. It's like, okay, stage five clinger. Right. Five clinger. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, imagine like a dude agreeing to sleep with you just because he like wants to make you happy. Like that, I would rather have a dude like want to sleep with me and then forget about yeah. me than like sleep with me because 
like this curse makes him like me and like all of my friendships like that I would rather my friends forget me and I have to like earn it back than just like have it given to me that's fair although I'm sure like a hundred years in I would gladly switch yeah yeah (laughs) I feel like I'm very vain like I would probably pick Henry's if there wasn't a time constraint I I would do his because it's like I think it would be so cool to like I don't know. It would be cool to be able to kind of get away with a lot and get to do things by people just wanting to make you happy. And in that, and like Addie's, it's hard for her to earn money and stuff like that. But I feel like in Henry's, it's like, you could probably just like talk your way into anything. So like, yeah, you would be living. I think the, the quality of life would be really lavish if everyone was just like, if you made everyone you saw happy, (laughs) I'd be right on private jets just like a lot you know like uh, just, i'd be like on a yacht <laughs> that's where I'm at. I, would be, I would be partying on a yacht i'd be partying on a yacht and also you'd be able to keep your relationships like yeah no one forgot fake. yeah i went to college in high school it's like the same thing <laughs> i did greek life it's the same i was thing. in a sorority like i know <laughs> I, I know <laughs> you know <laughs> like it was basically it was basically henry's curse being in a sorority so like it's kind of the same <laughs> just trying really hard yeah, it was so president, true. so i know it's so <laughs> trying true. really hard to make everybody happy so <laughs> mm-hmm. anyways <laughs> it's so true it's so true. We're really diving deep here today <laughs> we are when you first read it why did you think henry remembered addy I did not suspect the Luke thing. I thought that it was just because he looked like him, that maybe he was some version or something like that. Like I didn't anticipate him making the deal with him. So I was like, there's gotta be a glitch in the matrix. That's kind of where I was at. I didn't really have like a theory per se, but I was like, I didn't suspect that it was Luke who had done it. Do you know what I mean? I get that. I thought it was Luke. I thought it was secretly Luke. Oh, that's very fair. I, (laughs) I agree with that now. (laughs) That's a good concept. Yeah. It felt like he wanted to win her back. Yeah. So he like put himself out there as this dude that she would be attracted to. And like, as someone who remembers her, because he's the only one that remembered her. And I very much thought it was related to him being either luke or another god like luke like yeah. i thought that there was something there wow that would be a good one someone needs to fanfic write that <laughs> i like it, that send it to me <laughs> yeah yeah i thought it was maybe just like a, a for me it felt like a glitch in the matrix like there's no way he knew that it happened i didn't i never once guessed that it was going to be like he made a deal with him and then you know obviously he tells the story and i was like okay so that makes sense but in my head it was just like fate like it'd been so long that like she would just happen upon somebody who was immune to that sort of like Nesta style couldn't have like yeah. mind control, you know, something like that. Yeah. That's where I was at, but yours That's is a much fair. better concept. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, like that first date when they go to the club and he gets the free shots, like Luke got everything for himself that way. Like it just felt yeah. like a little too similar. That is so fair. Yeah. Well, you did a better <laughs> job reading it than I did. <laughs> This just shows that I read way too much like 
interconnected fantasy. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, this is cute. Oh my God, he remembers her. How sweet. I just love that so much. Like why? I'm not going to ask why. It's so sweet. Like I think that's where I was at. And then I was like, no, he just remembers her because he like saw her as the door closed. And then we get like further into it. And I'm like, oh my God, he really doesn't remember her. This is precious. <laughs> what was your kind of favorite scene between Luke and Addie? And then your favorite scene between Henry and Addie? I think... My favorite scene with Luke and Addie was by far when they're like snowed in that cabin where she's like, yeah. are you here to like trying to convince me? And he's like, no, I'm just here. Just hanging out. And I was like, oh, he likes her. <laughs> he loves her. That's so cute. He time with her. Me too. <laughs> um, versus Henry and Addie. I liked, I kind of really enjoyed the park scene like mm-hmm. that date that like never ended and I really enjoyed it was almost like the quiet moments mm-hmm. like those moments all of those like very quiet moments really like solidify that like this could be a real relationship despite the fact that he was very agitated every time his friends forgot her yeah but <laughs> those moments it felt very real but like yeah what about you like my favorite one with Luke was when she goes back to her hometown and um she's in the graveyard and like everybody's dead and the forgot her name the witch chick that like mm-hmm. taught her about the old gods originally and she had like planted the tree and the tree's gone and he's like it wasn't the towns it was like lightning you know and kind of explains it to her and like tries to show her that like people aren't as awful as you think and that's kind of how it felt to me like he was he was trying to convince her to like not say yes to him like there is still things that go on in the world and like it seems terrible that everyone in your life is gone, but like, I'll always be here and you'll always be here experiencing life and like living for them. So I really thought that moment was kind of a, it was a twisty dark moment, but I thought it was written really like he, you could tell in exactly like the cabin, like he really cares about her, but doesn't want to say it out loud. So I really liked that scene. And I think for me, the gallery one where she's painting on the wall with Henry and he paints for her like he moves her hand and and oh, I forgot about sticks. this yeah and then they walk in the like bubbles or whatever the lights and then all that that one was like oh really gets you in the feels you know like he's he was just trying to do stuff for her and like put her name out there and that was such like a people-pleasing moment and I think for me that was that really solidified their relationship and like how he was always going to be able to help her make a mark in in like a more permanent way I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, that's like, oh, that's such a good scene. That's such a good scene. Oh, you're right. That is the best one. Yeah. I feel like that one's really good. I definitely cried at the when Henry's last POV and he's like, "I'm gonna die. This is the end." I was like, "Oh my god, is it? Is Henry gonna? Oh no!" And I'm like, you know, and I'm just like hot tears rolling down my face. So that was really embarrassing, but. I was surprised were you surprised that she took the deal for him or did you kind of feel like that was coming yes I was so surprised yeah I mean okay this was like one of the very one of the only books I've read that had a nod happily ever after yeah so I very much went into it like thinking that there was going to be a happily ever after I wasn't sure who the final love interest was going to be for sure but I definitely thought that it was going to be happily ever after. I did not expect it to be like this weird ambiguous thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like hate endings that are just sort of like open-ended. I want to know. I'm a big, like, I love an epilogue. Like I want to know what yes. happened all the way a hundred years later, even if they're dead, you know, like that's where I'm at. So yeah, I agree. Like it, it was such a weird ending and you're just kind of left like, okay, was that it? 
that that's where we're at. Like, this is the end of the book and you don't know what happens next. And like, I just felt so much heartbreak, I think for Henry, because it's like, I don't know. It's so hard to break up with someone because of circumstance rather than like mutual disinterest or like one disinterest of any form. Like, I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it's like, that is such a horrible way to like lose someone or like break up with them or even like friendships or something, you know, where you just like, I'm never going to see you again because you live on the other side of the world or like, you know, I'm never going to see you again because like, this is just technology didn't exist or whatever it was like when we were younger, like you think about all these people. So I feel like it's, those are the hardest ones. And like, you're crushed for so long. And I can't imagine being Henry and being like, let me just write a book about this while I'm like crying into her sweater. I don't know. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like this dude definitely like, like bawled his eyes out the entire time he wrote this novel. Yeah. And it's like, (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's so awful. So I feel like that one really hit me in the feels at the end because I was just like, I felt that where you lose someone for like circumstance, not because you're like, okay, I'm kind of done being friends with you or I'm kind of done dating you or whatever it is, vice versa. Like if they feel the same way, it's like you live too far away and now we're, we're not like, we're not going to be what we were. And it's like, oh, that one, like, oh, that like, that's, that's a killer, man. You know, like that one hurts. (laughs) And, like, the fact that she did it for him, I feel like, makes it even more heart-wrenching. Like, this wasn't, like, for the benefit of him. It wasn't for, like, I need to leave so you, like, can do this. It was, or, like, like, I need to leave for me. It was very much, I need to leave for you. Yeah. And, like, that is just... (laughs) Yeah. That was, and, like, I just, in the ending, you know, she's, like, watching and seeing that he did all these things for her and he published this book and like became super famous and her and Luke are just sort of like watching from a dim dark corner and you're like oh no like that's so awful because it's like yeah Luke's probably like oh my gosh I still love her and like I want to be with her and I want her to love me but it's sort of that love triangle situation where it's like is she ever gonna love me because she resents me forever type of thing and then you're like did he groom her to be this way to like turn into him eventually you know like and all the things she had to do and I don't it was wild it's a wild ride guys <laughs> it's so wild it makes you think it really does so okay Addie creates this deal with Luke to save Henry and she has to like essentially spend the rest of her life with Luke until Luke gets sick of her and like lets her free and so she like agrees being like okay I'm gonna torture you for the next couple centuries until you get sick of me like do you think that they like she like realized her love for him do you think that it ends happily ever after for them I don't know if it ends up happily but maybe like a sort of a mutual we realized that like we're too similar to not be together type of thing like they felt when they were in New Orleans and her realizing that like she could potentially fall in love with him I think she because of the heartbreak and like all the things that happened between her and Henry that she probably did make his life miserable for a long time And then as she was doing that, realized like, okay, maybe we are the same person because I'm able to do this to you. This is how I want it to end. And then her realized like, okay, we are very similar. And like Henry lived a great life and I got to be a part of that. And I'm moving on because it's been, you know, however long and we are very similar. And like, it's just you and me. We're the only two of our kind or what have you. So like they end up in a sort of happy ever after as happy as you can be with like the God of death. (laughs) I also feel really similarly. Like, I feel like sure. She like was kind of a brat for like a solid couple decades because she's stubborn. So I'm sure she was a brat for like a very long time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But yeah, I feel like, 
like I want to be like like they're like an old married couple at this point yes like I agree maybe you're not like madly in love like the room spins when you make when you get eye contact with this person anymore but like there is still that respect there is that deep-seated love like you're you are still in love despite it not being like that love at first sight honeymoon butterflies yeah and very like comfortable yes it's a comfortable love yeah and I think that's how it ends (laughs) I agree and if it doesn't I don't want to hear about it (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to read the fanfic where they don't end up together yeah going to send me fanfic send me fanfic where they end up together (laughs) and if they don't then Henry better have also lived forever and that's where we're at (laughs) right we're not replacing Henry yeah yeah (laughs) it has to be Henry or Luke that's it absolutely (laughs) listen she ends up with Robbie just kidding (laughs) that's the end plot twist yeah, I feel like there were so many moments in this book where I was like, what would I have done in that situation? You know, I would have done this or how I responded. And it just like pulls at you so emotionally. And I think it's so well written. And this is this is the only V.E. Schwab book I've ever read. Have you read any of our other works or no? I started A Touch of Darkness, but I have, but like, I was a darker, like a weird. A darker, of, a darker Shade of Magic, you mean? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, <laughs> same, same, but different. <laughs> Just hard left. Yes. <laughs> I started a darker shade of magic. And like it's really interesting and like the world buildings there, but like I only got a couple chapters in because I was in a weird book slump and mm-hmm. then just like never went back to it. That's fair. Yeah. I was looking at my shelf. I own a gathering of shadows, which I think is the third one. Sure. Or the the last one I don't know I've never so I've never read any of our other ones and I feel like the cult behind a darker shade of magic is there and it makes me want to read it and I've seen some of her other ones and it makes me want to read them because like Addie was such a work of art but like I'm just worried that it's not going to be what I want it to be so like I've never gone there yes honestly same like I think that's why I haven't gone back to it is because I loved Addie just so damn much yeah that like I kind of don't want her to be ruined for me yeah and I kind of felt the same way about uh the raven cycle with Maggie Stepwater like I was so hesitant to re reread I read Shiver a long time ago but I was so hesitant to like reread the series and like ruin that and be like yeah I'm sure it was great back when I read about vampires and werewolves like when I was 13 but I reread it this year and I was like she's so good so I hope like the VE is, is as good and like I hope when I do actually eventually read her other ones that like, it is that good, but I always just worry that it's like, it's not going to live up to yeah everything that happened here. Cause I feel like those two are very similar authors and like their writing style really makes you think. I, I can appreciate that. I post about this on Instagram. Um, <laughs> I traveled here. So we're recording this during the holidays. Um, I am in Seattle for the holidays versus like I live in DC. And so I traveled across the country with five, hardback books and I've only read smut off of Kindle Limited <laughs> the entire time I've been here <laughs> that's the way to do it <laughs> so like I, like it's hard to read these days it, I know it's like what is a book like I haven't read a good book in a while guys that's so a lie, true. Though, you know it feels that way it's just it's hard and I think like we get into these these books that like I, this has been such an emotional roller coaster of a year because I feel like there's been so many of these that are like Addie that I'm like, okay, this is a beautiful book. I loved it. Absolutely well, like well written, great world building, great characters. This is like a new thing that's like 
it, it is a, a part of my personality now. Here I am. <laughs> but like, I've been on such a roller coaster because I feel like it's all been within this year that I'm like, okay, these are my top five favorite books of all time and obsessed. And I'm exhausted by the prospect of like starting a whole new year over and trying to find new books that like live up to things like this. Yeah. And like, when did you join Bookstagram? So I joined like November, the end of November, 2020. Okay. So we joined at the same time. Yes. Um, <laughs> talked about this. Maybe not. I think we did, but I think I got confused between your two accounts. That's fair. <laughs> my first one, I joined in November. My second one, September, 2021. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I got confused with the multiple accounts, but joining Bookstagram was such a wonderful thing. And I got so many wrecks like Addie LaRue that I never would have picked up otherwise. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the wrecks are just endless. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and everyone has different opinions, which is like what makes Bookstagram such a great and vibrant place. But at the same time, a lot of like most of the people I follow have the same opinion. And so it's easy to get sucked into like rabbit holes of these like certain avenues. Like I'm sucked into the Kindle Unlimited thing right now. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then it's hard to break back out. Like it's hard are, to go yeah. from like the um L. Kennedy and Kate Canterbury and weird ass smut talk books, but and to like go back to like a fantasy series or a magical yeah. realism series that makes you think. Because honestly, the Kindle Unlimited books don't make you think at all. Absolutely not. Yeah, we're <laughs> in the era of of the smut right now. I think like as as a community, we're we're like neck deep in it. And I tried to branch out. I'm reading the Red Rising series and I'm on the fourth one. And I was like reading through it and I was like, this is, it's taking me a really long time because it's like too much thought because that's another one that really makes you think. And you're like, I was like, this is just, I can't. It's it's too many pages of too much thinking about (laughs) real things that would happen. Like, it's just too much. (laughs) I feel that so much. And like fantasy takes like a really hot second to get into like, you can't just, like, wrap your arms around it and be like, I know yeah. these characters, I know this plot, I know this will end how I want it to end. I'm very stressed about the next year and, like, the things that are coming out in new series, like, continuations of series that are, like, coming out in the next year and conclusions of things. I'm I'm sweating the fantasy stuff that's coming out. So I feel like in that, I'm not starting new ones because I'm, like, so invested in what's going to happen in From Blood and Ash and, like, the Kingdom of the Wicked series and crescent city too and like all of those things and i'm just like i'm sweating thinking about it so like i'm avoiding reading new fantasy like it's just it's gonna take a long time to convince me to like get into something like this i agree honestly i haven't really read fantasy since i read kingdom of the cursed and i read that when it came out like i took me a while to get to read kingdom of the wicked but i read kingdom of the curse like right away mm-hmm. and it was so much better than the first that now I'm like, oh, I'm like actually invested. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, okay, so now what? And so was... like versus like the first one, like I wasn't invested. I just like read the second yeah, yeah. one so I could say I read it. And like, I don't want to be invested in these characters right now. <laughs> Here we are just waiting for October. <laughs> like all of these books like are becoming my personality and yeah. like to bring in more. Like, mm-hmm. soon the voices are going to start fighting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, at one point, I'm going to have to choose, and I'm not there yet. And I'm like, okay, what is my favorite series? I was, like, thinking about it. I'm like, um, uh, I have so many. Like, if I just picked one, is it 
And then I'm like, I can't, like, I just can't anymore. Like it used to always be the mortal instruments, the, um, not the mortal instruments. So sorry. The infernal devices. Like I used to always, every time anyone asked me, Oh, the infernal devices, like the clockwork princess, like my favorite book ever. So good. Love that series. And now I'm like the Raven cycle. Like I've listened to the whole series and I've read the whole series this year. And I'm like, I just love it so much. Like, is it the Raven cycle? And then I'm like, is it Crescent City? Even though it's not finished, am I allowed to like call that my favorite series? You know, it's like, it's so hard to pick. And then you choose and you're like, I don't know. It's just, it's been such a wild year of reading that I'm like, all the books that I've chosen as my personality traits are so emotionally deep and also about fairies. So like, yes, I don't know. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, not sure how to cope with the rest of the year. And it's, <laughs> it's not even 2022. Like, <laughs> it's it's just begun and I'm not even sure how I'm gonna make it through oh my god I feel that uh all right I'm gonna ask my closing question but I have follow-up okay. questions that are gonna come Perfect. back to the closing question so I don't know what this makes this <laughs> that's fair <laughs> but my closing question to all my guests is what books are you currently binging so I'm in the middle <laughs> I'm in the middle of an actar reread and nice. it's like soothing my soul because this is the first time I've reread it so I've only read the series once and I read it pre-bookstagram just before I started. And it's so fun to like get back into it. And now that I've like seen the fan art and the references and like fallen so in love with it and just been a part of this world of like thousands of people, honestly, that just love it so much. It's fun to kind of go back and feel those feelings and know those things and like pick up all that stuff. So I'm in the middle of that right now. And it's, it's really doing, it's doing great <laughs> for me. I love <laughs> that was that. bad English, but it, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I get that. Uh, I always skip Akatar and I go straight into, uh, Mist and Fury. Fair. And it's, it's one of my comfort reads. So I get this. I read it like seven times, but yeah, I need to be at that point. So a court of wings and ruin is my favorite of the whole series. I just think that like everything that happens in that one is so grand and I love it so much, but I am just finished Akatar and like rereading it because the first time I genuinely was like I'm gonna say it the first time I read it I genuinely like felt feelings for Tamlin I was like she loves him she has to love him SJM does such a good job of like sucking you in and like now that I'm going back and rereading it and Reese has come in and you know he helps her in the trials and all this this is also a spoiler for Akatar so sorry and he helps her in the trials and things it's like you can see it there how he like loved her even then and it's like Oh, it's just, it just like hits you in the feels. And like, it's such a good one to reread. I think that one I strongly suggest like a reread for. And also I appreciate that. It's like so many people's comfort read. Yes, I agree. I also like Crescent City and Air of Fire Onwards. (laughs) (laughs) That gas makes me sweat. Like genuinely gives me hives. It's so long. And like my favorite books of that series, this is like terrible to say, but my favorite books are Assassin's Blade and Throne of Glass. The rest of the series could just shove it as far as I could care. Like, I'm not even going to lie to you. The rest of it gives me hives. There's so much that goes on. It's so chaotic. And there's so many characters in there that I just want to smack. That, like, I'm good with just reading those first two and, like, being done with it. That's fair. I, I like, definitely skip over everything up until Air of Fire. Totally fair. And then, it's like, anytime you just need to, like, you know, feel something. Just... <laughs> some like really disturbing things but like feel it you just read the last story in assassin's blade if you ever need a good cry <laughs> yeah so air of fire and honestly i don't really like i skip all of the parts 
besides yeah, yeah. the Rowan, Aelin, and Avian. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's yeah. how we're gonna pronounce it. And um, like those three are like the yeah, one are the absolutely. three I follow, and that's it. I skip everyone totally else. Fair. It's too chaotic. I can't deal with it. It's so it's much so stress. chaotic. I like Lorcan and Alid the best out of all the couples, and oh, they are quite literally the most useless too in the entire yes. like you could cut them out and nothing would be different not a single thing so like it just makes me sad because we did an episode where we talked with uh sarah from rosebud mode and she said that and i was like oh my god you're right and that is so disappointing because i swoon the two of them <laughs> so hard i love their storyline so much but they are totally irrelevant so I just, I can't go back and reread it because I don't want to know that. <laughs> I can't go back and like relive and realize that like they're nothing but filler. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. Yeah. One of my follow-up questions was going to be what is on the docket for Bookish Banter Podcast? So we are relaunching, oh, this will be like past that, but we're relaunching season two um, mid-January. So I don't know. You said this will come out in February. So I think it's coming out in February. Then. I have okay. a schedule somewhere. <laughs> That's fair. So um, we relaunched season two on January 17th and we are going to actually be introducing a Patreon. So we're really excited about that. We have some merch coming in and like custom stuff that we have been working on over the holidays. We're really excited to show all of you guys. We're hoping to have you and a couple other podcasts on for some guests and we're looking at doing a few more author interviews we got a chance to interview Allie Hazelwood last year and we're super excited to hopefully get a couple more this year and want to do a lot more focus on um sort of the business aspect and the small businesses that we like we had a tons of fun interviewing Catherine from Blissfully Bookish so we wanted to do some more stuff like that we're doing Akatar, a huge mass a thon so we're doing Akatar. Uh, in Crescent City one and two coming up at the very beginning of the year so we can kind of get that out of the way and then our other big one that we're going to do is we're going to do Lord of the Rings so we're super excited to read The Hobbit and all of the Lord of the Rings books and it's probably you're not doing that one a week (laughs) no 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 (laughs) we want to do so we're probably going to do The Hobbit um, and then Lord of the Rings the three books like as separate episodes and then we're just going to do like one about the each uh, movie so we'll probably okay. do like five or six episodes total and just talk about like the movies versus the books, that kind of thing. Nice. So okay. We're as really long as it's not one a week, that. because that's a lot of Tolkien. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, we need to spread these out because I'm not going to survive. But so, <laughs> those are our two big ones that we want to get is uh, Akatar and like all of Mass and then uh, Tolkien and see how that goes. <laughs> Fun. Yeah. So we'll see. We're still like, it's, it's young. The year is, the year is new. We haven't done much yet, but <laughs> we're excited to, um, I'm excited to talk to Kirsten because this is the first time she's read Akatar ever. And oh. she's been like engrossed in the world of bookstagram and book talk for the last year. So like, she knows a lot of spoilers, which kind of sucks for like reading the series, but I'm interested to see how she like thinks about those versus like reading the book, re- like actually reading the book. So fair that's what I'm excited because this is yeah she's a unicorn she just read Akatar for the first time how wild this is yeah I I know it blows my mind every day (laughs) she's like I know I'll get to it I'm like you haven't she hasn't read anything though she hasn't read like Addie she hasn't read Akatar she hasn't read Crescent City she only did King of Rule of uh, not Rule of Rules she only did Shadow and Bone because we did it for the show well it's like none of the big ones she's never read the Mortal Instruments (laughs) I've mean, never read I Harry Potter. Read the instruments, but I've read everything else you've listed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's never read any of those. I'm trying to like think of other popular books. 
Yeah. So that's all we've got planned so far. I love it. <laughs> Subject to change. Always. Welcome Always. to the podcast world. <laughs> Definitely. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. I had so much fun. I had so much fun. I love talking about this book. I love talking to you. I can't wait to have you on again. Me either. I can't wait to have you on our podcast. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a bookshelf binge. You can follow my guest Tatiana on Instagram at the literature llama 2.0. You can find her podcast, the bookish banter podcast, wherever you are listening to this podcast. And you can follow their Instagram page at the bookish banter podcast. I'm your host, Jessica. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Bookshelf Binge. As always, you can join the Patreon to get these episodes early and ad-free. The Bookish Banter podcast also now has a Patreon, so be sure to check them out. Also, be sure to give this show five stars on your listening platform. It really helps push out the show to new listeners and helps all of those fun analytics. I have added new things to the shop, so definitely go look over there. I'm trying to create fun tank tops and t-shirts since we're moving into spring and summer. And so, as always, if you have an idea for merch, just send me a DM. I'm more than happy to try and create it and put it out there. This is not my forte, so definitely help me out there. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. (music) 